David Whedon played 19 senior games of VFL at Collingwood from 1968 to 1970 before beginning an extensive coaching career which continues to this day. He was a reserves and skills coach at Geelong for five seasons before moving to the Blues where he was an assistant coach to David Parkin. Over the following 14 seasons, Whedon filled a variety of assistant coaching roles at Essendon, Collingwood, Richmond and St Kilda and is one of the game's greatest innovators. Whedon has also written a number of books and coaching manuals on the skills and mental preparation required to play at the elite level. His latest publication titled The Art of Goal Kicking is a guide to technique and skill which covers all aspects of goal kicking. Here's our chat with Dave. And at least do something! Don't ever let any player dominate you! Nothing more tigerish than a bloody tiger! That's bloody right! This is the coach's box. Dave, thanks for joining us on the coach's box podcast. Thank you. Thanks for the time. We'll get into the art of goal kicking shortly. And I know you've got some, some great tips and advice for, for people who are going to listen to this podcast, but we'll start as we do with each of these episodes um, around the coaching bug. So tell us about when you first got the coaching bug. When I was teaching at Belmont High, I was a phys ed teacher and a history teacher. Yep. Uh, I'd just uh, come out of playing with Collingwood and uh, a coaching job came up at my hometown, Colac, which is in the Hamden League, pretty strong competition. Mm -hmm. And I thought, coaching's like teaching and uh, applied for the job and got it. So I started uh, coaching in uh, 1972. So I was 23 when I got the job and started started when I was 23. So I was very... um, inexperienced yeah. in, in handling a whole lot of people though teaching gave you yeah. some sort of a, advantage what were some of the lessons that you learnt in your first time as, as coach uh, different players have different aspirations the committee have dis- yeah. different aspirations um, I probably challenged people how to play a little bit differently than <laughs> they'd always played I wanted them to handball and play on quickly and yeah. for the halfback flankers to go down and have a shot and uh, sometimes <laughs> the locals didn't think that was the way the game should yeah. be played but <laughs> generally they were very very good and you had some people uh, that really supported you yep. and liked what you were trying to change the game at Kylak a little bit so yeah. it was yep. very enjoyable. Change the game we'll touch on that so when you're trying to implement a change in game style or change in philosophy how how do you how did you go about doing that because it, yeah as you said it's not always easy to bring people along for the journey try to convince the players yep. that it was a way to do it tommy hafe he came up and took training as part of a coca-cola uh, endorsement mm-hmm. and i asked tommy how many handballs does richmond have a week he said about 100, and I go, yes, yeah. <laughs> because I wanted to play on. I had yeah. this notion, without being able to measure it, that I wanted to keep the game going, yep. going. and so um, that helped me form my philosophy because a, a, a legend <laughs> endorsed it, uh, and I just liked the game going fast. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Well, we like it now. What about coaching and that development angle were you yeah, particularly attracted to? I like teaching skills, yep. and uh, that's what was my a- aspiration, to be a, a really good skills coach. And uh, I thought it was no different than teaching uh, something in gymnastics yeah. or something in basketball. It was still a skill. Mm-hmm. So I applied what I'd learnt at Melbourne University about teaching skills, so I tried to adopt it to football coaching. Yep, yep. Can, can you further sort of explain what is your goal-kicking philosophy? 
Goal King philosophy is that I believe the player should know the basics about the science of yep. the ball, about the mental challenges and the technical challenges, but then being able to teach that particular person because there's no one way to do it. The science, you can't break or bend, mm -hmm. but the options are your mental and technical approach yep. and how well you can teach. And the art of teaching is to recognise the great teachable moment, mm -hmm. when to be quiet, when to talk, and I enjoyed exploring teaching goal-kicking. What themes does your... Um you obviously author of the book called The Art of Goalkeeping. What, what themes does the, the book cover? I wanted to explore why some players are good kicks mm -hmm. and some players aren't. So I explored target sports around the world and I was able to find similarities and things that we could use in our goal kicking. We must remember that set shots are only just over half the shots. Yeah. Anything that happens on a field can be taught but it can't be all learnt to the same level. Mm, mm -hmm. And so I was interested in exploring uh, solutions to people who do miss and, and confirming the strengths of people who do well. And they know it without formalising. They know yeah. what they do is right. And so yeah. it was basically about teaching it. What do you think a player's biggest issue is when it comes to, to goal kicking? Well, for set shots, any skill that is time to think about failure can be difficult. Yeah as in uh, foul shooting in basketball mm -hmm. or getting out of a bunker, yep. even putting <laughs> can be difficult. <laughs> yep. uh, I, was, I was interested in solutions to overcome that and I explored golf yep. and other sports about how people prevent themselves from choking. Yep. Technically, the most common fault in set shots is to run offline because the basic principle of straightness is that if you run straight, drop the ball straight, swing your leg through straight, it'll probably go straight. Yep. If you run offline or drop the ball offline or swing your leg offline, yep. it's more likely to go offline. <laughs> so to simplify it, it's the uh, ability for some players to handle the anxiety of fear of the result and to give them some coping solutions mm. doesn't mean they're always going to, no one's going to kick 100%. For play shots, uh, on the run shots, very similar if you can make it to a set shot, a traditional uh, drop punt set shot and uh, snap shots uh, can be a bit harder to teach because players like Steve Johnson, Eddie Betts have a sense of where the goals are all the time yeah. and they, they know it and you can't teach feel. Yep. I can't say, I want you to feel like Eddie Betts when he does, when he picks yeah. the ball up. Yeah. No, but I learned little guidelines like in set, in snapshots in general play to sneak a peek, yep. see where you are, on the run, get straight. Yep. But the other one, back to set shots, is the set snap mm -hmm. that I was at Geelong when Stevie Johnson started yeah, to popularise it. Yep. And yep. so I wanted to be able to teach that, yep. learn from him and apply my ideas of how it could be taught Yep. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. Can we go back to how you're talking about set shots and the importance of running in straight? We've seen probably in the last five to six years, players veer off out to the right to gain mm. more distance and it's become more commonplace now because of the stand rule so you can actually kick where you are adjacent to where the man on the mark is. Do you think that that's been a, a good thing for the game or a bad thing for the game? Well, accuracy has gone up about two points. It's always around 52, 53%. Yep. It's up around um, 54 mm -hmm. this year. 
if if you run offline at the contact point you have to bring your body and or your leg back to the angle it'd be like um throwing a cricket ball with from half a meter out wide having to bring it back in if you wanted to hit the stumps yeah yeah right or shooting an arrow with the bow held out away from your body whereas most it's target sports it's in line of sight so if you run offline three bad things and one good thing can happen yeah if you Put, wrap your foot around the outside of the ball, and I'm talking as a right footer. Yes, yep. To bring the ball back, mm-hmm. you can hook it. If you swing your leg across, you hit the inside of the ball, you can slice it. Yeah. If you kick it exactly where you were running, <laughs> you'll, you'll run, you'll kick it behind. Yeah. But if you can adjust your body at the end and yep. give, bring it back to the angle yep. that you prefer, that is the angle going to the line of sight of the goal, that's good. But to simplify, if you run straight, you don't have to do those yep. first three things. Yep. What are what are your thoughts on on players veering away from a drop punt to a drop punt to go into that um, set shot snap or the J curve as you were talking about before? I'm, I'm a real supporter of it. Yep. The facts are up into round seven, so I haven't got the last round. That yep. people who were close to goal in the corridor. Yep. The top ten set snappers were kicking at eighty-five percent accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Kennedy, Luke Bruce have kicked at ninety percent accuracy with set snaps over the last two seasons. Yeah. Yep. The accuracy for traditional drop punt in that area is in the sixties. Yeah. So it has advantages as a kick. Yep. Uh, what What are some of the advantages? All right, is because the ball is laid across the boot. Yep. There's more surface area. There's more contact area, more boot on ball or more ball on boot. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it has a greater level of forgiveness if you just slightly mishit it compared to the pointy end of a drop punt. The run-up's very short. Therefore, not much can go wrong with it. It feels like a more like a general field play kick. And because it's less time, there's less time to think about failure. Yeah. So it has advantages. There's different ways of doing it as well. So... Um, you look at someone like Jason Castagna and he walks away from the goals as mm. he's lining up for goal and then turns around and snaps because he sort of uses the momentum that he's built up, whereas others are a lot more deliberate in their approach. So someone like Tom Hawkins puts the ball down on the ground, takes mm. his time, rubs his hair, um, and um, he's a pretty good um, exponent of that he's particular good. skill as well. Do, do you think it's important as well, like developing a routine? So... As a community player, a player who's playing at local level, you're not going to go out and kick a around the corner if you haven't practiced it, are you? Like, it's important to develop a bit of a routine and um, the practice behind that. Well, the two things you've touched on there. First of all, anything you try, you should be able to prove that it's got a, a probable success rate. Yep. If you're only kicking them at 20% accuracy at training, I probably wouldn't put them into the game. <laughs> yep. But, smart, uh, smart so you point. can prove, you've got proof yep. that this works. And most of them do. Most of them kick it very well. Yep. Any technique-based sport around the world where it's a closed skill, that is you've got your own guaranteed time and spaces compared to the open skills of general play, yep. are usually done in a very repeatable fashion. Mm-hmm. People know what their routine is and they stick to it because they know it'll give a certain return over the journey. So I have um, you know, looked at Peter Hudson, talked to Peter, watched other people. They tend to do the same thing 
all the time. They'll yep. even start on the same leg. I was listening to Ben Brown the other day. He takes eight walk steps and he jogs, then he kicks it. And some players uh, will walk, for example, five steps, yep. jog st- five steps, run five, ten steps, mm-hmm. and it's up to the player. Yep. And you, your job as a good goal-kicking teacher is to help the player discover yep. what they prefer, not to tell them what they should do. Mm-hmm is to help them discover what works best and, if needed be, to interfere at times saying, well, that's causing your problems, but also to reinforce you look really good. The other thing is to keep some momentum up. Yep. Um, I believe if you know something well enough, you can simplify it. Yep. So I basically, for the set shot traditional, is I've got it down to three main things. One is straightness. Secondly is spin because the ball spins really quickly, mm-hmm. it resists wind from the side, yep. just like a spinning top. And finally, uh, chase your kick, kick with your body. Kick uh, Tommy Hawkins jumps, yep. uh, other players will slide forward. The leg kickers stop at the point of contact and, do, and tend to do a big leg swing and often fall backwards. Yep. So they're pulling their power away from the line yeah. of flight. Yep. Whereas go past the contact area mm-hmm. but before all those three those three things i'm a big believer and what most of the great target people around the world they visualize mm. they take a movie of something just or a photo of something yep. could be the flight of the ball yep i learned that from the golfers mm-hmm. the role of the, the the ball could be small target because small target small miss mm-hmm. it could be what they picture their leg will look at after the kick, whether it's in front of their right eye yep. for a right footer or it's across their body, uh, and um, re- make it repeatable. Mm. Get down to a routine and only change if it's not working. Yeah. So they're the things you teach. You, you don't want to overload them with knowledge. Mm. You just want to explain why something can happen and I think if you if you can explain it to them you can convince them then they'll go and coach themselves yeah yep. and the aim of a good goal kicking teacher is to put yourself out of business yeah <laughs> well said um with players like you see nowadays um even right footers are, are taking snaps from the boundary line on mm. their left foot um they obviously practiced it and uh it's become sort of second nature for them as well do you think it's when when you sort of compare that right foot snap versus the left foot snap um, and someone going on their opposite foot compared to a, a check side or a banana mm. kick, what what do you think the success rates are compared like comparatively? I don't mind what they do as long as it works. Yeah. The set snap, because you're swinging your leg basically in the direction you want the ball to curve. So yep. let's say you're in the left forward pocket and you're a right footer. Mm-hmm. You're going to swing your leg slightly to the left although you can just swing your leg straight towards the center circle yeah and because of that you can produce more spin yep. more force into the part of the ball you want to hit yep. if you're a right footer and you're on the right forward pocket and you're going to kick it around the little toe area yeah you're kicking your leg away from where you want it to go so you yep. won't get as much power it won't curve as much yeah but if you can do it i would encourage you to do it every time i would not yep. get in the way why do you think that there's the discussion and, and we're sort of getting to like the dribble kick um, mm. scenario as well? Why do you think there's that discussion of, of um, particularly commentators who have, have played the game? Um, they're thinking that drop punt is a, 
um, a much better or has a much better chance of going through compared to a snapshot or a dribble kick in in different scenarios what you were used to can be hard to change mm. and you saw the the kick through your eyes and everybody yep. it was common and to say there is a better way to do some something some people find that hard to take it's only human nature yeah they yep. if it's not done a certain way it doesn't look right through your own eyes and that happens to all of us yeah color of a, a car or a painting go i don't like that and you say oh, i like that so it's how you look at it through your own eyes yeah and some anything that is different and is new can be very unpopular at the start yeah and actually most good things come from unpopular positions mm-hmm. yep They're, so uh, I don't argue against them, but I just say, look at the facts, yeah. you know, the data. Well, as you said, Luke Bruce is going at 90%, so that's probably, so is Josh Kennedy. probably good enough. Mm. Yeah. How much time do you think players should really dedicate to honing their goal-kicking craft? If you're looking at AFL players as well, as well as um, local players as well. I think there's a difference just been spending a lot of time because yep. if you just go out and take shots, you might be putting repetitions into failure. Mm-hmm be like me going out and practicing my slice <laughs> yeah. i think it's the quality of the time yep. i think goal kick i believe goal kicking sessions should be about learning about your own goal kicking yep. not just how many shots you've taken and therefore you usually need either a teacher to give you a different view from the balcony yep. or you know so much about it yourself you know how to provide solutions uh, to failure and how to continue to um, use the things that are working. Mm. And sometimes, most technical sports in the world, they'll all have a coach. The golfers all have a coach. Someone who can reinforce, Mm -hmm. come and see things. So I don't think it's the quantity, it's the quality. Uh, John Wilkinson came to Richmond. Johnny Wilkinson, the great kick. He spent a couple of hours getting a kick. Whereas... I've seen some other players. Paul Chapman, for example, was mm. a really good kick for goal. Yep. He'd have five or six shots and saying, I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, was it. Natural. Yeah. How do you think load management has impacted goal kicking and um, I guess the physiological impact that that's had on the importance of getting repetitions in? Well, I'm not at a club now, so yep. AFL sport is fantastic for the sports science. Mm-hmm. I used to joke when I started wanting to have lots of shots with my players. I go, I reckon the, the fitness guys are being paid by the stretch. You know, let, yeah. me, let me at them. But no one wants to go out and hurt a player. Yep. All right. And I wouldn't sit back and criticise that the players are not having enough kicks. Although there is opportunities for just having quiet shots. One of the things you can do is practice during the week by visualising. And uh, I know some of the AFL players that I've interviewed visualise you. They take movies during the week and yep. see themselves. You know, if you're driving, you're planning to drive somewhere, you can take a bit of a movie. I'm going to turn at that corner. I'm going to go somewhere. Yeah. It actually makes it easier and it reinforces that's what you're going to do. Yeah. I'm not saying that's by yourself, but uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I would encourage a player to take any opportunity to go and practice their craft, yep. whether it's down at the local reserve or at somewhere else yeah yeah just just have a shot if, yeah if you want to but i'm not saying that everybody should go out and have two hours of kicking yeah yeah mm. that visualization piece is um obviously in vogue at, at afl level now and um as you said goal kicking it's important um 
to be able to follow through with that too. So, how, how would you how would you suggest to people who might not necessarily be at an elite AFL club? How would they look to visualise what goal kicking is about? Oh, it depends when you do it. One of the times you do it is just before you go to sleep. Yeah, it's sort of like a a form of hypnosis. You know, you drive over the Westgate Bridge and you go, did I go over the bridge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's sort of like a form of hypnosis. And yeah. and just to think about during the day, I thought, yeah, I'm going to take the shot. I'm at the MCG. The crowd, what am I, how am I going to react? Yep. You can rehearse it. It doesn't guarantee success. Yep. But at least you've thought about it mm-hmm. and, and planned it. I'm going to take a number of steps. So it's pre-planning like you might do to go overseas. This is what I'm gonna do at the airport. Yep. So yeah, that's doesn't have to be very sophisticated. You yep. just think about it. How do you think goal kicking can, Im- can improve? Better teaching. Yeah. I think so. Um, I think there's a place for specialist target teachers. Yeah. Because it is the target skill part of the game. Mm. And I've coached quite a few players who are very, very good players. They didn't like goal kicking that much. Yeah. They weren't that confident. Mm. So I think that uh, a knowledge of what happens with the ball, yep. what happens with your body, without overcomplicating, getting it down to a few key points, yep. by having the players understand more about the ball and the, and the kick, because I believe that world-class golfers and cricketers would know why the ball does what, what, it, what it does. Yeah. Yep. And I think we should be up at that level. What advice would you give to, to people listening to this who think that, goal kicking might be um, a bit of a, a negative thing in their game, but they want to improve that, that aspect of it. Mm, read the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good plug. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. There's no magic yep. uh, key. It can take a while to yep. gain the confidence to work out how many steps you like to take or how long you like to wait before you mm. have a shot yep. without getting too complicated. Some people that I've coached, just turned around, ran in, and had a shot, and I'd say, "Don't think of anything. Just go and have a shot." Yeah. All right. And uh, I remember saying that to Trav Varco. Just mm. go and turn around, and have a shot. Yeah. You know, Michael Long had a extremely long run up because he he just liked getting into a groove. Yeah. Well, not as long as Ben Brown's, but he had a longer run up, and yeah. so we were able to solve his uh, desire to pass the ball off to people. Yeah. Because he was such a great team player. Yeah. And he didn't really want to miss. Yeah, but later on in his career, he got, he got confident. Yeah, and uh, yeah. you can't go down to Puckle Street, as Dennis Pagan would say, and buy two bobs worth of confidence. You, <laughs> yeah. need, yeah. you need proof that it yeah. can happen. Yeah. yeah, and so I think that um, try to get someone who's a, a good teacher of it, yep. if you uh, can find one, and get someone to help you work with a partner. Get someone. I often call them a caddy. Yep. And you become their caddy mm-hmm. and say, I want you to check whether I run straight. Yeah. Right, or is my ball release yep. straight? And then maybe coach each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a. But there's no magic solution. Who do you think are the best exponents of a, a set shot kick at the, the moment NFL? or yep. ever? Uh, both. Well, ever uh, Tony Lockett kicked yeah. at seventy percent. So yep. you can only go by the results, not opinion. Yeah. Peter Hudson and Matthew Lloyd, sixty-nine percent. Yeah. Daniel Bradshaw, mm-hmm. who people don't recognise it probably how good he was yeah. 67 but Luke Bruce these are the people that have kicked over 500 goals yeah Luke Bruce is approaching 500 goals and he's 69 percent yeah Ben Brown 67 yep. percent heading towards 68 yeah 
they're, they're uh, Ben Brown and Luke Bruce at the moment are the most accurate kicks, but there's a whole lot of others that are up there. I have my own rating that a designated goal kicker, I believe, should kick six goals for. Yep. More goals than points, so mm-hmm. 60%. Yep. Um, that's good. Excellent, yep. I think, 65%. Mm-hmm. An elite is above that. Yeah. And uh, so in... Those areas, you've got Tom Hawkins, Jack Rewalt, uh, Jack Darling, Josh Kennedy. Yep. To me, they're the ones that I sort of like watching because I've yeah. had some contact with them in the past. Yep. And so they're people that you would expect and they would expect not to miss. Mm. They'd be very surprised if they miss. Yeah. Who's, who's the best student you've worked with? Matthew Lloyd. Yeah. Because uh, he made me look good. Like, he was so <laughs> talented. He wanted to practice. Yeah. Oh, he's a favourite. Tommy Hawkins is a favourite yep. that I work with. Both wanted to learn about it yep. and wanted to try practice it, and were willing to accept coaching and mm-hmm. teaching. Yep. And after then, you get out of the way. Yeah. And you really only uh, not interfere, but in, get involved if to reinforce. Say, gee, I love the way you're mm-hmm. running in, or yep. I think you're running offline a bit. Yeah. That's yeah. about all, and it's up to them. But they, the, the real great players know how they got there. Yeah. They don't try to then become arrogant or they know it all. Yeah. Mm. Is that the most important thing, that yeah, someone is coachable and they are prepared to listen to advice? Yes, but it's up to them to, whether they want to take it or not. Yeah. It might be bad yeah. advice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the most, they're humble. They know they don't know it all. Yeah. And as like most other sports in the world, they accept coaching. Mm-hmm. Dave, we'll change pace and get into some quick hands. Who's the favourite? Who's your favourite coach you've played under? Well, I have two. One was an aunt, like most people, a junior coach yep. who knew me as a person. I played cricket against him. A fellow called Jeff Finch up in Kylak coached the under 18s. We'd drop into his milk bar. He just was interested in you. He knew your family. Yep. When I went to Collingwood, Bob Rose was the only senior coach I had, so he would have to be my favourite yeah, one. Yeah. Yep. Although I had Neil Mann in the second, so I enjoyed yep. working with. Yep. Who's the, the favourite coach you've, you've worked with? This is a bit hard because I've worked with uh, a few. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my first coach was the, the great Tommy Hafey, yep. who I learned so much about the art of coaching. Coaching's an art, the art of people management and teaching based on the science of the, everything else that happens, the strategy, the preparation. Yep. Tommy was absolutely wonderful at people management relationships. Yeah, uh, I had uh, David Parkin, mm-hmm. you know, and these people became family friends. Yeah, John Devine, family friend, Kevin Sheedy uh, was a challenge only because he gave me so much freedom. I had to be careful I didn't go off the rails yeah. <laughs> and explore it, and uh, he created an environment for me which challenged me to, you know, make sure. I, everything I do is realistic and applicable to the players. Well, we yep. won the 93 Premiership, so yeah. it worked out all right. Yep. Later on, Mark Thompson was wonderful to me. He, yep. I went back to Geelong when I was late 50s, and he allowed me the freedom to um, coach skills, and I really enjoyed that. So I haven't yep. got one particular player, but, but it's probably the first one. Tom, oh, Dennis Pagan worked with him at Essen, and he, um, we became... Really, and still are very good friends. Yeah. So he yep. was great to work with him. Yeah. You mentioned you might have touched on it before, but the most challenging coach you've worked with is that is that Sheeds? Not 
him, it was the environment. In fact, it, yeah. I, I was given so much freedom, I had to be careful I didn't jump the fence. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. in that sense. Yeah, yeah. All right? Yeah. You know, wasn't hard, wasn't looking over my shoulder, demanding anything. Mm-hmm. He just uh, uh, allowed me the freedom, but he had the final say, I mean. So in yeah. one way, I, that was a challenge because it was like being let loose a little bit. So mm, I had yeah. to be careful that yeah, just ran, <laughs> I ran stayed back within the big paddock wide high fence. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, who's the most coachable person that you've worked with? Oh, there's a lot of them. The Matthew Lloyd, yeah, Tommy Hogg, Sean Denham, yeah, came to out of Geelong. Geelong uh, let him go. End up winning a best and fairest at Essendon. Yeah, yeah. He's a wonderful player to work with. There were. There were a lot of people. But I think early on, all those kids that came out of the S and under-19s and played in the 93 Premiership, yeah. they were also coachable. I introduced, and Kevin allowed me to do it, a set of team rules and a game plan, written down yep. the team rules, and the young players fell in love with it. Yeah. And they, in one way, forced the older players to adopt the team rules. And yeah. so yep. it was quite easy to coach them. You know, I really enjoyed because I was te- I hadn't been long out of teaching. I enjoyed the culture of youth. Yep. You know, the 18, 19-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yep. Um, Dave, thanks very much for the chat. Um, it, was, it was great. The Art of Goal Kicking is your, is your book. And I think we've done a really good job of unpacking some of the elements of that within this podcast. But people can go and, and, um, and read your book for, for some more. What, 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 finally, what um, takeaways do you want people to, to think about when they think of the Art of Goal Kicking? It is, particularly as such, it's a different part of the game. Yep. So it needs different practice. Um, it needs specialist, I think, teaching. However, it also is part of the game. Never miss an opportunity at training. If it's a whole game situation, have a shot. Yep. And hopefully the environment around you will be one of opposition. Yeah. So, as it is game day. Yeah. All right. Very hard to reproduce the feeling, the loneliness of being in front of 80,000 people having a shot at the yeah. MCG. It can be a very lonely place. Yes. And yeah, so that's yeah. hard to, to reproduce. Yep. But to get to know their own goal kicking, what works and what doesn't work, but live in the solution, not the problem. Yeah. That's what I think. But again, it needs people around you. And if there aren't any, you know, um, outside goal kicking teachers around, get some players yep. to work with each other. Yep. and to help each other and then on game day they can still they can still do some subtle coaching of your your game day they might come and say remember you know eight steps or remember yep. take your time or remember to pick out a target mm. that you like you know that sort of thing i think that could help but again there's no magic wand thanks for joining us on the coaches box podcast dave thank you very much for having me and at least do something don't ever more tigerish than a bloody tiger. That's bloody right. This is the Coach's Box.